0: It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there. But with all the current uncertainty, how do we know when and where to put our hard earned money to work for us? It's easy to become distracted by that shiny object or the quote unquote next best thing.
1: So how do we determine which strategies will best align with our financial goals? Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with the insights and strategies to build our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Danny Nichols. And I'm Chris Thompson. This is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast.
0: Listen, if you're interested in passive real estate investing, but aren't sure how or where to get started, our passive investing guide walks you through the entire process from understanding the benefits to performing the due diligence. Download your copy today at twosmartassets.com and start taking action. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Daniel Nichols, accompanied by our guest for the week, Trevor Thompson. And today we are the Two Smart Assets. For those of you who are not yet familiar with Trevor, he is a real estate investor participating as an LP in 17 syndicated deals and has recently moved to the active side and landed his first deal as a GP. His investing experience includes retail, single family, medical office, multifamily, and land development, and has recently transitioned into real estate investing full-time. Trevor, it's great to see you, sir. Welcome to the show.
1: Awesome to be here. Thanks for
0: having me. Yeah, absolutely. Pumped for today's conversation. Before we jump into that, though, we always like to kick off the show by hearing more about you, our guest, Trevor. So tell us more about your background, your story, and the path you took to get to where you are today in your real estate investing career.
1: Yeah, so I have the most unusual story you're probably ever going to hear. So originally from Niagara Falls, Canada, um, started in the tourism, and I worked for Ripley's, believe it or not, all through my high school um, so I uh, always say, believe it or not, kind of a joke there. <laughs> and then I transitioned to Guinness World of Records, and I worked with them for 18 years. And during that period, I got promoted up to be the rep for it for all of North America. So I ran one in the Empire State Building in New York City, which was kind of my exposure to American business. We sold one in, in Hollywood, California to some friends, to people now that are friends of mine. And then I started a consulting company. So I actually helped them open a wax museum in Branson, Missouri. Um, one of the coolest facts is I actually had the world's tallest woman working for me. No and way. I actually traveled with her for TV appearances. So Japan twice, Venezuela, Los Angeles, Puerto Rico. So again, not everybody can say they went on a road trip with the <laughs> world's tallest woman. Uh, that was definitely different. And then I wanted to actually put a Guinness in Orlando, Florida. And so I started working on that. I'd raised the money. And right when we were kind of ready to pull the trigger, Ripley's, believe it or not, actually bought Guinness and didn't give me the rights to do the franchise. And while I was doing it, though, I made a second deal. So of all things, I opened a year-round haunted house in Orlando, Florida, because I wanted to move to the land of opportunity from Canada. And so I opened this haunted house, and uh, we opened on Friday the 13th. 113, which is 1313. And we did such a bad job. We actually closed two hours later and we <laughs> positioned the whole attraction and reopened a week later. It was a very struggling business. And I got recruited by a headhunter to go to this company at the time called Sky Venture, now called I Fly Indoor Skydiving. And very interestingly, in our first team meeting, the owner gave everybody a copy of Rich Dad Poor Dad. And so there, I was always kind of interested in real estate, but this was a whole different look at it versus just being a real estate agent. And unfortunately, I did what everyone else does. I read the book, I put it on the shelf, and I went away building my career. So I had a 20-year career with iFly Indoor Skydiving. Um, I opened 46 of our 80 worldwide locations. We grew from 17 team members when I started to 1,000 worldwide We're on Royal Caribbean cruise ships. Um, So again, very cool things happened, you know, during that journey. I managed to, you know, travel the world and do open a fantastic business everywhere. But then this thing called, well, then we got bought out by a private equity company. And I didn't quite agree with their business strategies and their things and thought they were doing things, but it did also give me a little bit of money because I got a a payment for being a long-term team member. And I took that money and I started passively investing in real estate and I did what everybody does. I went to the weekend road show where they told me I could buy an office building with my credit card. And I went, you know, that doesn't quite sound right. So I finally <laughs> had a, met a group that sounded a little right. They were Texas based. So I joined and made my first passive real estate investment. We've got some stories about that later, but uh, that turned out to be a very interesting investment. And then since then, I just kept growing, learning, growing, learning, joining different mentor programs. Um, my philosophy, as you mentioned in the intro, was always earn and learn. So I invested in different asset classes, but I also invested with people that would give me the opportunity to help, a little bit more insight, um, which was a little bit unique, but it was uh, something I wanted to do because I wanted to learn as well as earn.
0: Yeah and you know that's a, that's a pretty powerful concept the the earn and learn concept there but before we get into that cuz I know there's a lot there that we want to touch on um, you, you're absolutely right at the beginning you have a very interesting background I uh, yeah. love to hear that that's uh, it's very unique um and you know it's it's pretty apparent that you really know how to grow a business right and i think that going forward uh that's going to pay dividends and, you know, becoming an active real estate investor, right? Having that mindset because yeah. you're know, going into syndication, being an active investor, that's a business, you know, and you got to run it like a business. So having that experience is is going to be great. But So, but let's back up even further, you know, you went and you found this group, uh, you know, you're interested in real estate investing, you got Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you got interested in rich, uh, real estate investing, and then you found this group in Texas, yeah. right? And so, you found this group. How were you able to, you know, find this group? If somebody's a re- brand new real estate investor to think about getting real estate investing, what is a, a good method for them to go out and find a group similar to one? Maybe you, you were a part of there at the beginning. Yeah.
1: So I, I went to a local RIA meeting um, mm-hmm. thinking, okay, I'm going to try to get involved. And they, they were the ones that sponsored the RIA and then they had single family, you know, cause they were mostly a single family group and there was a lot of people at the RIA, but I heard this thing, commercial real estate. And to be honest, I was interested in shopping malls or shopping centers. Mm-hmm. I kind of liked them. I thought, okay, that's something I could own, still have my dream job, You know, put a couple of tenants in there. It's still a business, but it's not like uh, the people renting the spaces are doing the active business. I'm just renting the spaces to them. So that's kind of where I first started thinking. Um, but then I found out about this multifamily thing and then all of the different assets of it. And I started really getting intrigued by it, and uh, I joined this group because I could touch, feel, and see them. They were—I could go to their meeting. They had a meeting twice a month, and I could see them and meet people. And and even though I'm kind of outgoing, but I'm actually a big introvert. But it helped me, you know. And it was funny; a couple of the people knew that, so they took me into their wing and introduced me to people. And uh, it really built a strong foundation for me. Um, found out later that they're they're experts in single family and not experts in multifamily and things they're okay but they weren't you know they were a smaller group and they were a big group in single family and so since then I started gravitating out to other educational platforms and kind of trying to bring myself up to date. Um, I consider myself an obsessed learner so when I start to get into something I, I just like I soak it all in. Like I did a hundred Audible books and 50% of them were real estate in a year. And wow. 50% of them were real estate based. Um, you know, on tonight I'm on three different Zoom meetings. Um, one I'm hosting, and it's just it's kind of crazy um how it's developed, uh, but there's just so much out there to learn and so many people doing it. And I didn't realize it was such a team sport. And I'm actually very excited about that because I like working as part of a team. I don't do well as a solopreneur. I like being my lane, what I do best with other people in their lanes doing what they do best. So, all of those things kind of together were, and again, being able to go to meetups and see them, uh, it was great. Now, obviously, that changed <laughs> with the pandemic as it did for many of us. So, that's, that's right. why I switched to online. But now I'm meeting people all over the United States
0: absolutely and i think in you brought up a lot of, yeah right and i think you brought up a lot of great stuff there especially you know talking about this is a team sport commercial real estate investing or just if you're doing any sort of large investing in real estate it really is a team sport right and uh, i think that's huge cuz a lot of people you know entering the space they think oh i got to do all this and all that and it becomes very overwhelming yeah. well the truth the truth is you need to spread out some of that some of those tasks, you know, and that's, that's how it should be done and like a business. So I think that's pretty huge. And I love the fact that you brought up, you know, you, you know, you're kind of an introvert, uh, you know, cause I'm the same way. And I know when I first started going to these meetings or thought about going to these meetings, I was kind of intimidated, right? Like, Oh, I don't know anything kind of this, you know, investor syndrome mindset. Like, I don't know anything. What am I going to, you know, but, yeah. but the truth is everybody at those meetings is, is very open, right. And willing to talk and help you learn and stuff like that. So I think anybody listening right now, take some of your words of wisdom here and, and just go. Just go yeah. start talking to people, introduce yourself. It might be a, you know, a tough hurdle at first, but make that leap because it's absolutely important. Um, okay. So you found the group and then you actually grew and went to other groups that were more in line with what you're wanting to invest in. And, you know, so with these groups that you've learned, um, you made a couple passive investments, right? What did you learn from those groups? Was it, was it more of like just getting the connections to find uh, the sponsors to invest in? Or you know what really gave you the confidence to move forward with those investments that you learned in these groups and those mentors and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, so it was meeting the mentors or meeting the people that I was gaining information from, getting to know them, getting to know what, what they find valuable. And then once I knew them, I started trying to have a personal connection with them more than mm. just being there. And then once I got that comfort level, I invested. Um, so, you know, I was in, I was investing in a relationship with them first, getting to know them, getting to understand, maybe not even getting in on their first deal, but then getting in on deals later. So I'm a big investor of people first, um, product, you know, I always say it's like a race. I bet on the jockey, but then I'm gonna look at the horse and I'm gonna look at the track, right? So the jockey sure. is the main sponsor that you know. The horse is the asset. So it could be any sort of, and then the track is where is it, right? So is it in a what, you know, where is it? What is it? You know, because there's a million different, right? It's either a C or D class D value ad. Is it in a rough neighborhood at night, you know, and I've done everything from a D class high value ad to an A plus, um, bought it from a developer to, you know, finishing the lease out and uh, you know, so I could learn all the different kind of sides of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot there. I kind of want to dive into two points. Uh, yeah. first, I want to say, you know, you've done a number of passive deals in, you know, and your experience includes a wide variety of asset classes, right? You've done you've touched on a lot of those. Uh, you know, and as you made those investments, were you intentional about your portfolio allocation to those asset classes? Or had you just basically found some good partners doing good deals in different asset classes and decided, hey, I like these guys, I like what they're doing. Let's invest with them.
1: Yeah, so no, I was definitely purpose-driven. I wanted to have you know, I, I wanted to learn on somebody else on my own nickel. So versus, you know, like I've been interested in storage. So I just did my first storage passive investment and I'm not going to do my first storage active deal till I understand more about the space and I'm taking mm-hmm. your money and putting it in my deals. So I was very fortunate enough, to, you know, to go in the retail space. I used my money to learn, you know, in the land deals in the medical center, you know, even apartments to condo conversions. I wanted to learn on my money. And then I'm most comfortable in the multifamily space. It represents 50% of my investments. so And that's where I've spent most of my energy. So I feel more comfortable taking someone else's money into my deal. Uh, But I certainly don't feel comfortable yet in any of the other spaces.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love to hear that, you know, talking about getting the experience and, you know, focusing on one thing at a time. That's a, that's massive.
1: And, you know, one thing I also
0: want to bring up that you brought, that you mentioned earlier is something that I really touch on for our passive investors out there. You know, you've kind of mentioned a few things that, you know, you want to look for and um, a sponsor and stuff like that. Um, you know, you want to be able to earn and learn, uh, do this stuff like that. But what are some other sticking points when
1: it comes to finding
0: the right sponsors and teams for you to invest with them?
1: Yeah, so I guess not believe in the hype. Um, There's a lot of hype people out there and there's a lot of people, you know, I really looked for people that were genuine and honest and talked about stuff that went wrong and how they overcame what went wrong. I look for, I, I get more confidence with those than their big wins. Um I'm not going to lie. Like I want to invest with real people that have real solutions and real experience, you know? I do not believe, you know, all that I call it the internet hype. All of these guys that are, you know, we got this and we did this return and we did that. I, that to me, I actually stay away from those, and I look for people that are a little more targeted, a little bit more specific. Um, I like up and coming because I feel like I'm supporting somebody True. and. And again, a lot of my up and comings, I hope to be partners with. So there's a local person here I've invested in his last four deals. We talk every other day, we've become friends, we've made LOIs together. You know, it's kind of the, the building of my path. Um, you know, and, and the big players that are doing the big deals, they don't need me. <laughs> sure. <I'm laughs> or they sure. don't know they need me.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I love to hear I, I love to hear that though, Trevor. You know, you mentioned something that we don't really hear much on the show is that, you know, you like to invest with the up and coming players, right? And I think there's something to be said for that. Does the lack of experience kind of it doesn't uh scare you away from investing with those with those newer uh syndicators?
1: So I've never yet been on their first deal. Um oh, okay. so I've never yet been on somebody on their first deal, but certainly on actually I shouldn't say that. I was with one person, the person I talked about that's local on his first deal. He was on another deal, but he was he was more brought in as a KP capital raiser. Mm -hmm. Wasn't his deal. And so to me, I'm not gonna gain anything investing in that. I'm gonna gain investing, you know, his first one he bought 42 units here in Austin. And, you know, I mean I went and drove it with him and talked to him about it. And I was disappointed I couldn't get on the GP team, but I understand you know someone else found the deal and brought it to him and you know that's where we are um and since then they've done two more deals on top of that um well cool so you've had a positive experience and I love to hear that you know because
0: I think a lot of people's first uh, intuition is you know find somebody who's really experienced who's done this you know
1: multiple times had success at it so but- well there's lots of people that invest that way right there's a sure. lot of people that invest that way and that that's the second way right if you're you know but to me that's almost like Wall Street money, but on multifamily, and I you don't yeah. know them. You—I don't know what happens at General Motors. I don't know what happens at Amazon, other than my box arrives every day. Right? <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted, you know, and I wanted to be invested in people that, you know, I could—I could learn some stuff and just figure out. And, yeah. and they would take a phone call and answer my my inquisitive—you know, I'm an inquisitive guy—and answer those questions.
0: Yeah, and I love the fact that you bring that up. And I want to I want to ask you another question. So, in regards to kind of in the same vein, really is with your experience you've had as a past investor, you know, being in so many deals, is there anything you would have done differently in
1: regards to some of those early deals, those early investments that yeah, you in? Definitely the early investments I didn't know enough. Um, mm. so just investing in the person is not enough. You need to understand the deal. So, so one of my very fact, my very first investment, um, it, it, I did not make any money. It's gone full cycle and I made no money. Now, I couldn't have seen that in the deal because I didn't have the education level, right? But sure. they had a loan with with no real exit plan in place. Um And so it was a problem. They underestimated the property taxes and taxes in Texas are a big thing. They underestimated the insurance costs. They underestimated the rehab. So they basically, they bought a deep value add and expenses went up income did a little bit but they just they they, they ran out of room and then they spent all their capex and they still needed to spend more to reposition um and so now I know more what to look at right like are the rent bumps reasonable you know are the expenses you know what have they done what have they done with taxes have they adjusted it you know what's their plan what's their in and out cap rates I didn't even know Cap rate took me like two years to actually, it's a silly little thing, but it took me like two years to really understand what in the world is a cap rate, you know? I mean, I watched more videos on cap rates, uh, but I didn't understand that, right? I just, it did you know, but now I kind of, okay, what's your entry? What's your exit? I know enough to ask those kind of questions. Um, you know, what What are your rent assumptions, you know? Would, and, you know, before, oh, we're $100 under market rent. We're going to go another 100 up with a rent improvement. Or with a property improvement okay um sounds great but this is a c-class property in the neighborhood where you're now 150 over comps i didn't even know what a comp was when i did my <laughs> first investment right i had an no idea but right. you know i just think okay we're gonna do this um and then when i actually got more involved i started going okay hold on a minute this isn't realistic mm-hmm. like um and I was fortunate enough that most of my investments lately have been local. So I've gone and seen them before I've invested in them. Um, and sure. I didn't go see my first one. Right. And if I had, I wouldn't have invested. There um, you go. There you go.
0: Yeah. I, and you make a lot of great points. I hope our listeners take notes of that uh, because, you know, we, what you don't know is what you don't know. Right. But the thing is, uh, when you come into passive investing, you hear the word you know, these are, but these are going to be passive and they are passive after a certain point. Right. And I think you and I can both agree on the fact yeah. that maybe a more actively passive approach could be better for some, you know, actually, you know, learning some of the, the lingo, yeah. the vernacular, stuff like that, and kind of diving into these questions. And, you know, just like you just brought up, you brought up some great examples of how invest uh, passive investors can fast Track their way to knowing what kind of questions to ask if they haven't yeah. if they weren't already aware of them. So, yeah. thank you for diving into that. Really appreciate you uh, sharing those. Um, and you know, I want to dive a little bit more into and in what we talked about earlier. And the uh, the earn and learn strategy, right? Because I know many in- past investors they want to remain just that passive, right? And they yeah. work hard for the money. They want their money to work for them. Uh, they're not interested in the nuts and bolts of running you know the business plan of a real estate syndication, right? So, the concept of earn and learn is something you've really run with as a passive investor, right? It's it's something you've really like honed in on, right? So can you talk to us about what that means to earn and learn and why it was an, it was important for you to make that a focus in your investing journey?
1: Yeah, so I definitely always wanted to be active. Um, so I started passively investing with a goal to be active. So I started with the end in mind, you know, kind of thing. So I knew I wanted to do that. But I had a job I loved. It was going well. Everything was going okay so I decided, okay, I'm gonna, you know, and I've changed my investment philosophy even after that. I'll talk a little bit about that. But you know, what I wanted to do, I, I, I said, okay, I'm gonna leave my job at sixty, sixty-five. It's kind of in the middle now. COVID let pushed me over the cliff, and made sure. me leave my job, so I'm there a bit early. But I always said, okay, this is what I'm going to do because I could see myself doing that well into my 70s and 80s right uh, you know all maybe differently or whatever but it was always my goal to become active um, I like to contribute value and increase the value of an investment you know so again the whole cycle is you buy something you make it a better place to live and and then you make it a great place to work and if you do those things you make it a great way for investors to get return. And they in turn can now use it for their why. Their why may be to also become an active real estate, their why may be to support a local charity, their may why may be to retire and travel the world. My why was not retire and travel the world. My why was I wanted to be able to, to learn a new business and to and to contribute to it and to um to bring other people along so that they can go do their whys. Um, and there's no wrong why, right? Um sure. a lot of people are just like, I want to, I want to get enough passive income so I can travel the world. I want to get enough passive income so I can drive my kids to school and be home when they come home from school. All of those whys are great. My why was I want to kind of get a job that I can do at my own pace and something I love to do. So um that you know, being an active investor, don't let anybody fool you. It's a job, <laughs> especially if you're gonna be on the asset management side of it. Um, it's a job, but it is a job that you do on your terms, not on somebody else's terms,
0: yeah, absolutely. It, it really is. And I love the fact that you've you know you've already done a number of things on the business side, you know, in your careers, right? You've worked at a number of different companies, you've really been, you've been successful at that, and then now transitioning into a full time real estate investor on the active side, uh, it, it's all gonna go good for you. that's that's kind of how I see it. So you know, can you talk to us about you know this earn and learn idea? Uh, I really like that, you know, because you can be able to really turn this into something value add, like you were saying. Right. Can you talk about some of the practical, practical experiences you've had? um, What times you've been able to apply what you've learned on the passive side to the active side? Do you have any experiences or anything that you can share with us?
1: Yeah, so definitely. So this is extreme because this won't happen very often. So part of my original mentorship group, you know, I went back to the main mentor and I said, listen, I'm not learning anything that I want to learn, like I've, I've peaked out, right? I haven't learned anything. I've got a lot to deliver. What could I do to help you and help me get to the next level kind of deal? And so they actually, this first investment that I said that didn't make any money, they actually said, well, we're really struggling. Would you be able to help us out? So we had an all day meeting, what it meant to be an asset manager. And I kind of knew basically, and I've studied a bit about it. And they had an asset manager that was part of their employee team that was stretched too thin. So really, you're just going to help him by, you know, making sure the plan gets executed by going to the property every week versus him every month. So I thought, OK, I can sign up for that and work and switch the schedule around to where I had freedom to do that. Well, a week later, they fired him. Um, and maybe I had something to do with that because I went and reported a whole pile of things that I found on my first week there. And and, you know, and it was like a, he was telling a different story. I mean, they had Mm. skips that they were still showing as rented units, you know, so, so they could say they were stabilized at 90%. When I did a lease audit, I found out we were at 86% and Mm. reported that. And so anyways, long story short, and then they decided, uh, four more weeks after that to fire the property management company. We're going to self manage, uh, but don't worry. We're going to help you. Well, they did that on about 11 deals. So there was no time to help me. There was a monthly. There was a weekly call that i called put the fires out um i my joke was they threw me in the deep end most of the time they threw a 25 pound weight at me and the rest of the time maybe once in a while they threw me a life preserver if i was really wow. proud but again who could ask for more right i mean what a learning experience you know i spent i mean i was on property at least two days a week for 10 months um, i managed a team of five um, I learned how to bring our capex for the per unit from six, 6,000 to 4,200. Um, I met with, con- you know, I would meet with contractors on Monday and say, if you can get this work done by Friday, I'll be here with my checkbook. And I mean, one night I stayed till nine o'clock with, I got my checkbook. You guys better finish if you want to go home for the weekend. And they needed, you know, they needed the checkbook. But again, um, that's not normal, but boy, do you learn a lot. Um, And then, of course, the pandemic happened. And so that made it even more challenging. And then we started putting the property up for sale and we had a disagreement of some things. And so I was not, you know, when you're the LP and they're the GP and you have a disagreement, um, you know, you're, oh, sorry, we don't need you anymore. And then unfortunately, the sale fell through and then the product, the property declined more because there was no one really paying attention to it. Um and we got our money back, but you know we we could have at least made some if if they hadn't the run out of if that first sale had gone through, everybody would have been True. made whole at the original expectations.
0: Yeah, and that's very unique, right? I don't think a lot of people get that experience. Nobody's going to get that,
1: right? So, right. For you, I have another example of it. So I got on a passive investment. This was I so I was at a D class, which I was told was a C. Um, trying to reposition it so I went over to this A plus class and it was within the same group some but a more experienced person that joined the group so I passively invested but just they were super nice and sharing people so I just kept reaching out to them and then I'm coming to Dallas could I buy you a cup of coffee and you know those kind of things and then I kept saying can I help you with anything these were very successful people kind of and then one day they said yeah uh, we don't have any time and energy to research smart apartments. Are you interested? And I'm like, yes. So I researched smart apartments. I actually drove up to, to, you know, it was like three hours up there, three hours home to meet vendors on site to get quotes for installing a smart apartment. And we're going to roll it out next month. Um, and I'm going to help them do that. And again, that was an earn and learn. Um, I know a lot of, I'm, I'm much smarter uh, looking at smart apartments than I was before. And. For me, it was a way to, you know, and they kept saying, well, we want to give you something. I said, well, you did. I learned. And you will because you're a much more experienced asset operator. So when I need a KP or a sponsor, um, you know I can deliver. And I'm going to come knocking on your door with my deals saying, hey, could you help me?
0: Yeah, and I think there's there's so much there, right? Because you you're you found the group, you've been a part of these deals, right? But you're not only, you know, just there, you're making yourself uh known, right? And open to opportunity, right? And I think a lot of investors. Um, could take a lot away from that, right? You know, be yeah. be known, you know, be heard, make sure people know you're present and then be open to opportunities if that's something that's going to fall in your wheelhouse, right? If that's where you want to yeah. be, be open yeah. to opportunities and take advantage of it. So yeah, and,
1: and networking. I mean, and just putting yourself out there. So many people say, What can you do for me? And and switch it and say, What can I do for you? Which is we, you know, we talked about the giver mentality. So the deal I'm a GP on, um, I met this person a year ago and started talking to him and just connected you know every couple of months you know I was active on LinkedIn and Facebook so I liked and commented on everything he did so he didn't forget me um, and you can ask other people I stalk people on LinkedIn and, and so if you get on my thing and I like and comment on stalking you don't worry it's all friendly stalking and but then you know and I kept saying I'll be boots on the ground in Texas if you need me and that's been my mantra for like a year and then they actually closed on the deal. I did some help with them and oh, I was like, man, bummer. So I just sent a nice note saying, hey, congratulations. I'm still here if you need help. And about a week later, they said, you know, and we worked out an arrangement where I could help the deal. Um, and again, you know, I'm, I'm a small part of a bigger deal, but it it's a win-win. And I'm here. And again, I'm going to learn because this will be my first one where, I have more control being on the team to execute the plan. I'm not just executing somebody else's plan. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it, you know, and it works.
0: Absolutely, and, you know, it just goes back to that concept that you brought up. You know, earn and learn, and how powerful it is. I think it's that's that's uh, pretty amazing. But uh, and our listeners should definitely take away a lot from that. You know, be open to opportunities. You know, and if you're making passive uh, deals and you want to become active, make sure you're doing the the earn and learn strategy for
1: sure. But uh, Trevor, you know, a lot of people on the learn side too are just irritating. Don't be irritating. <laughs> like, try to be helpful. Like, yeah. nobody likes this person that. It negatively asks all kinds of questions, right? It, it it's not a you know be genuinely inquisitive, and and supportive, you know. Like when one of my deals went, I called the guy up and said, "Man, you know, you're in a tough spot, and do you need any help?" And they didn't, but you know, I could have called up and said, "You jerk, you're jeopardizing my investment." Uh, but he just wouldn't take my call the next time, right?
0: Right, right. Absolutely. That's a great, that's a great point, Trevor. You know, it's been a great conversation, Trevor. Really enjoyed getting to learn more about you and, and your experience and your story. Uh, but before we get out of here, what's the best way for our listeners to find out more about you and how they can connect?
1: Yes, yeah, so I'm very active on LinkedIn. So it's K Trevor Thompson on LinkedIn. Um, my email is ktt at niagara investmentscom and then Niagara, because I'm from Niagara Falls. So <laughs> That's how the Niagara came in there. So it's KTT at Niagara-investments.com. And again, find me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'm super active.
0: Okay, perfect. We're going to make sure to put all that stuff in the show notes, Trevor, so they can reach out to you. Um, again, it's been great having you on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time to speak to me today, Trevor. Uh, it's been my pleasure. I've enjoyed it. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show, and while you're there, we'd really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show, connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com. We look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.